This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Creator, nourisher, cherisher, sustainer, protector of one and all. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having guided us to this deen. Had it not been for his guidance, indeed, we would have been astray. وَأُصَلِّ وَأُسَلِّمْ عَلَى نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدْ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon all his companions and all his followers, including ourselves and our offspring. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us on this deen. Ameen. Honored ulama, beloved brothers, dearest sisters and listeners, there is a very powerful dua that we read in last night's verses, so powerful that it, is, it serves as protection from almost all forms of evil that one can think of. And this dua is very important for us to memorize and to constantly read. The meaning of the dua, firstly, is... Indeed, my protector is Allah who has revealed the book. And he is the one who protects the good and the pious. The meaning of the dua, Indeed, my protector is Allah who has revealed the book. And definitely he is the one who completely protects those who are good and pious. Now let me recite this dua. إِنَّ وَلِيَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِي نَزَّلَ الْكِتَابَ وَهُوَ يَتَوَلَّ الصَّالِحِينَ Verse number 196 of Surah Al-A'raf, which is the seventh surah in the Qur'an. Verse number 196 of Surah Al-A'raf, which is the seventh surah in the Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us strong. May He grant us the power of not only reciting this verse as a dua, but understanding it and believing totally in the fact that the sole protector is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those suffering superstitious problems, remember this also is a dua. When entering a home that you are unsure of, this is also a dua. There are other duas which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa has also made mention of. But we are speaking of the verses that were read last night. And there is a dua that definitely each one of us needs to have on our tongues at all times. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Today we have a very, very interesting theme. The verses that were read tonight are all connected to combat. Connected to military activity in Islam. Connected to the rules and the codes of conduct of the military personnel the prisoners of war, connected to the war crimes and what they really mean, and what the punishment of the criminals is. Also connected to the treaties that one may or may not sign. What type of peace treaties does Islam permit? And when is it permissible to break a treaty? The verses we read tonight also discuss espionage and spying and hypocrisy 
and how to deal with the hypocrites, whether or not one should actually go to the janazah of such people, whether or not we are allowed to be, befriend such people. So these are verses that are misinterpreted and misunderstood by many. And nowadays we know there is an onslaught against Islam where there are people intentionally misguiding the Muslims, misguiding or trying to misguide some of the weaker Muslims and telling them that the Quran promotes terrorism. Na'udhu Billah. The Quran is the furthest away from terrorism, as we shall see tonight. But, yes, there are explicit verses as to how those in a particular army must conduct themselves. During combat, what should be done and what should not be done. We've read the verses tonight. We are not shy of these verses of the Quran. Any army, any military, any ministry of defense would have a conduct. We know of the Geneva Convention. This is our Geneva Convention. When, for example, in the 70s, the Falklands was attacked by the British, or the Falklands was attacked, there was a war in the Falklands, to put it very simply. Then, I am sure the books of history, some of which I have read myself, have made mention of what happened. How many people were killed? What were the instructions of the military commanders there? So if a military commander happens to say, go out and kill them, does that mean they preached terrorism? It is a command that was handed down on a specific moment due to a specific situation that occurred. And that command has been recorded in history as being the command of the time. If there is something wrong with the command, after the war, if that commander happens to still be alive, he may be brought to the book, even in Islam. We know of Khalid ibn al-Walid, radiallahu anhu, one of the most powerful commanders in Islam. Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiallahu anhu, questioned him regarding many things, though he was the commander. At the time of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he happened to go out and kill some people by mistake. The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, made a dua, Allahumma inni abra'u ilayka mimma fa'alahu Khalid ibn al-Walid. O oh Allah, I disassociate myself with what Khalid ibn al-Walid has done. And he called Khalid ibn al-Walid and warned him and told him, this shall not happen again. So, in Islam, the Prophet ﷺ teaches us that we are peaceful people. The Quran speaks of peace. The Quran speaks in the verses we read tonight of signing treaties as far as possible. Do you know the reason? The reason is because it is my duty and your duty to convey the message of goodness to those who are non-Muslims. If it was my duty to kill them, and it is not my duty to do that, then what would be the outcome? We would not have anyone entering the fold of Islam. Almost all of us, at some point, our forefathers were not Muslims. If they were killed, when would we ever have become Muslims? So the prime objective of every Muslim is to convey the goodness in order to try and maximize the numbers of people who put their heads down for sujood or in prostration to the one and only supreme deity, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal, my creator and yours, and the one I shall return to and everyone else shall return to. So that is the prime objective. Now, if Islam taught killing, then who would be Muslims? Another question is, why is Islam 
the fastest growing religion on the globe, especially the intellectuals, when they study Islam and they see what Islam has to offer, they are turning to Islam wholesale. For what reason? Does it make sense? If Islam was a religion that promoted bloodshed, why are people turning and flocking to Islam in the thousands? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us strong. But it is us who are weak at times, who have not educated ourselves, who excuse ourselves for certain verses in the Qur'an, thereby disbelieving in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the point of excusing ourselves? If the Qur'an says, قَاتِلُوا الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَلَا بِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَلَا يُحَرِّمُونَ مَا حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ Fight those and kill those who have been killing you. Is there anything wrong? Kill those who have been killing you. For example, the commander of an army who happens to issue that command to his own military who are being killed. Let me take you back in the history of Islam for a clarification for the Muslims as well as the non-Muslims. Do you know that there was a time when Muslims were not permitted to even raise their hands? There was a time when whilst the Muslimin were in Medina to, in Makkah to Al-Mukarramah, they were butchered, they were slaughtered, they were executed, they were persecuted, they were driven out of their homes. The command was, leave your homes, don't fight back, do not retaliate. Give them a word or two of goodness, that's it, you walk away. Everyone left, they left their city, they left their houses. Which religion can teach you this? To say, do not even raise your hand. They did not raise their hands in Makkah, none. We know what happened to Bilal ibn Rabah. We know what happened to the family of Yasir, who were martyred in Makkah. They were not permitted to raise a single hand, because Allah did not allow them. It is the religion of peace. They are attacking you, may Allah guide them. So that was the command at the beginning. So many people left their homes, the whole of the Muslim populace of Makkah, left their homes and arrived in Al-Madinatul Munawwara. Now tell me, is that a barbaric religion? which taught the followers to leave whatever they own rightfully in order to run away from oppression. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after Islam grew, Allah permitted the believers not to go out and kill people, never. Impossible. Anyone who tells you that Islam teaches the killing of innocent people, they have erred. And if they are Muslim, they have very grave misunderstandings of Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarify them for us. When the Muslimin were in Al-Madinatul Munawwara, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one and a half years later, revealed verses. Verses permitting them to defend themselves and to try and get back what was taken from them. After so many years, they were then allowed to defend themselves. And they were not to defend themselves in whatever way they felt fit, to go out and kill and destroy and so on. No, they were to follow a solid, sound code of conduct, a military code, a convention that was designed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gathered the army and informed them, لَا تَقْتُلُوا مْرَأَةً وَلَا وَلِيدًا وَلَا عَسِيفًا وَلَا شَيْخًا and so on. Do not kill a woman in the battlefield. In the battlefield, do not kill a woman. Do not kill a child. Do not kill an old man and so on. How many world armies which claim to be so advanced today 
have actually abstained from that? Or do they blanket bomb women, children, old people, and those who are not even involved? So who is barbaric? Is it Islam? Or are they the others? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. Islam prohibits that. If it has happened by one or two Muslims, that does not mean Islam condones it. How many Muslims engage in zina? Does that mean Islam condones it, allows it, promotes it? No ways. How many Muslims are in the casinos tonight? Does that mean Islam promotes it? How many bearded Muslims are in the casinos tonight? Does that mean Islam promotes it in any way? No, it's a very big misunderstanding. And so on, the list is endless. What the Muslims are doing does not necessarily mean Islam has condoned it, nor does it mean Islam teaches it. We must understand and we must be firm. Let us equip ourselves with knowledge. And if one would say, well, why is what is happening happening? Most probably the answer is extreme oppression leads to counter or leads to a reaction which at times is not the ideal. Suicide to be committed is prohibited in Islam. The Quran has mentioned it. وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ بِكُمْ رَحِيمًا Do not kill yourselves. Allah is very merciful upon you. But then you find Muslims killing themselves. Anyone who kills themselves, it is a sign of extreme oppression to the degree that this person has gone berserk or feels that there is no other solution, there is absolutely no other solution. Still, Islam does not condone it, but one would have to look at the reasons why this is happening. And one would have to stop the original oppression. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. So there is nothing to hide in Islam. We read the verses where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of the day of Uhud, the day of the battle. He says, O you who believe, Ya amanu, speaking about the battle of Badr and speaking about various other battles. Whenever you are, O you who believe, whenever you are facing an army, be strong, be steadfast, remember me, and never ever turn back. Don't. إِذَا لَقِيتُمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَلَا تُوَلُّوهُمُ الْأَدْبَارِ Don't ever turn back. You should wait one of the two goodnesses. Either you win the battle. So alhamdulillah it is goodness. Or you are martyred and you earn paradise. So alhamdulillah it is goodness. But this rule applies in the case of a war. And I'm sure every army on the globe has rules. And some of them are not even as lofty as ours. In fact, almost all of them are not as lofty as ours. If you take a study of the transgression and the oppression that is going on in the globe today, you will find that there is a lack of iman in the most powerful of armies on the globe. And that lack of iman and belief has removed all feeling for humankind from the hearts of such people who have become animals, barbaric people, who really have no value for life and go destroying anything that is living. Islam says, when you are in a war, do not even cut down trees unnecessarily. Do not even damage the ecosystem. That is what Allah teaches us. Subhanallah. The verses of the Quran are so clear. Nothing to worry about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, firstly, 
you shall try to explain your position. That is the first step. Reach a compromise. We all know of Sulhul Hudaybiyah and we all know of the various trials of the Prophet and Messenger of Allah with the people of Makkah to say, give back what you've stolen from us. Do not oppress us. Do not attack us. You've stolen property worth millions. Give us back that property. When there was no luck and they did not succeed on that front, they were instructed to go out to take the caravan of Abu Sufyan as a recompense for what the kuffar of Makkah had taken for years. There was nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Today we have huge armies that claim to be the most advanced armies on the globe, usurping the wealth of innocent people who are then made to die as a result. Yet their countries are the richest countries on the globe, the countries of those who are oppressed. And at times oppression is a direct result of a crime which is not connected to the person. What is the crime? Beneath the feet of the people happens to be something very expensive. And that is why the wars take place. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us promoters of peace. For indeed, who would not want a peaceful globe? Every single Muslim makes dua and prays every single day for peace, for stability, for the stopping of fighting and killing. And here is the Qur'an which tells us, compromise, try and talk to them, reason with them, sign a treaty with them, if, the, if possible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if they show one sign of peace, snap at it. If they are showing a little bit, a little sign of wanting peace, snap at it and lean towards it. Make peace with them. Now the question arises, what if their intentions for peace are hypocritical? What if they intend evil? Sometimes what people do, they want a ceasefire. We are meant to immediately snap at it. Now the question arises, what if they want a ceasefire only to regroup in order to re-attack when they are in a better position? So Allah continues the verses in order to answer that question. Lay your trust in Allah. He is all hearing and He is the knowledgeable. He is the one all knowing. And the very next verse Allah says, if they want to deceive you out of that peace treaty or the ceasefire or the agreement concerning peace, if they have wrong intentions, don't worry, Allah is enough for you. Allah suffices the mu'mineen and Allah suffices all of us. And Allah will assist you. And Allah has also created a large group of believers who will assist you, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, we are meant to be always looking for peace. And even if we are doubting very slightly their intentions, we are meant to try our best to close all loopholes and still to sign that treaty of peace. But never should we give up our right. Islam does not teach us to give up the right. In fact, no law on earth, no matter how advanced it may be, teaches the giving up of one's right. 
No. You are allowed to fight for your rights. That is the word that is used in modern terminology. Fight for your rights. Stand up and fight for your rights. I'm sure we've heard that. So when Islam says that, why suddenly is it looked at as barbaric? Backwards, promoting terrorism. No ways. Islam is very, very far from terrorism. Today we are seated here. We are probably feeling so peaceful that I don't think others anywhere on the globe are feeling as peaceful unless they are Muslimin gathered in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or gathered for a similar purpose. We are so comfort, meaning we are so comfortable sitting here, so peaceful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is descending upon us. The angels have surrounded us, protecting us according to a narration which is correct and authentic of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, now there is another difficulty that may, have, that may arise and that has arisen in the past. The question is, what if we now know of a plan of breaking a treaty? And what if we now know definitely that there is deceit on the part of the enemy that we've just signed a treaty with. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the verses that were read tonight. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When you are fearing deceit from a nation, from the enemy, when you are fearing that their treaties are hypocritical, then announce it to them that our treaty is no more. Announce it to them and let it fall back, let it go back on them. Drop that treaty because of the solid proof that you have. So Islam teaches us, yes, you should sign treaties wherever possible. And you have the right. You have the right to announce the treaty null and void if the other party has not stuck to it as they are meant to be sticking to it. And tonight we read Surah At-Tawbah. At the beginning of Surah At-Tawbah, generally we do not read the Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Why? It is connected to the breaking of the treaty of the Mushrikeen. And Allah says, the opening verses, Bara'atum min Allahi wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from the treaty that you had signed with the Mushrikeen, which means it is broken. It's all over. Why did Allah announce that? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let the believers know something that was brewing in the camps of the Mushrikeen, and it became apparent that they had broken the treaty. So the announcement was made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The verses were revealed. Subhanallah. Then we have other verses where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of Iman. And Allah says, when you are, and remember this, as any commander of a modern day army calls his military and informs them and gives them the code that they need to know, the instructions, and advises them what is to be done and what is not to be done, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the factor of Iman and says that the power of Iman and the power of belief is far stronger than the power of the weaponry that you may have. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, addressing the non-believers, your numbers, Allah says, your numbers, and the fact that you might have more superior weaponry, will never ever destroy us, because we have Iman. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us strength. As I told you, these verses were revealed in history, connected to certain battles that took part, that took place at the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, why are they mentioned here? They are mentioned because the Qur'an has also recorded historic facts in it for the lesson of everyone. And in it, if it happens to repeat itself, whereby the Muslims find themselves confronted by enemy who have oppressed them for years, and they happen to be within a battlefield with a commander, there is no harm in that commander reciting the instructions to his particular army in the same way that any army of today would engage in. No army just gets up and tells the people, do as you please and continue. In Islam, the rule regarding prisoners of war is also mentioned in the verses we read tonight. In Islam, the maltreatment of prisoners of war is tantamount to disbelief in what the messenger has brought. Amazing. A prisoner of war should be treated like a human being, given food and drink and clothed. And the message of Islam should be conveyed. And if that person happens to be following another religion, Islam cannot be shoved down their throats. In fact, after the battle of Badr, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked some of the kuffar who were taken captive, prisoners of war, POW, the famous abbreviation of Abu Ghuraib. May Allah save us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in fact, he instructed his messenger, if any one of them teaches ten of the Muslims how to read and write, they shall be set free. And they were set free. Imagine. What type of a ransom is that? Or what type of a payment is that? It's not very difficult. It's something very honorable to be a teacher, to teach ten people how to read and write and you shall be set free. Today, no trials. No one knows where the people are. No one knows who they are. No one knows what is happening to them. And even the little bit, people are hearing of dogs, people are hearing of various other methods of dealing with prisoners of war, and then they claim to be the ones who do not promote terrorism. If that is not terrorism, what is it? So what Islam promotes is definitely peace. And Islam teaches us to learn, every single one of us, to love one another. And to love even for your enemy, that he enters the fold and sees the light, just as I have seen and you have seen. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ used to make dua and prayer for the enemies, those who were regarded as the pharaohs of the time, Abu Jahl and Umar ibn al-Khattab. The Prophet ﷺ made a dua, Allahumma a'izz al-Islam bi ahad al-Umarain. Ya Allah, we would like you, oh Ya Allah, we ask you to grant strength to Islam through one of the two Umars, either Abu Jahl, whose name was Amr ibn Hisham, or Umar ibn al-Khattab. And we all know that no sooner was that dua made, than Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu marched in, declaring that he was a Muslim. How many of us have tried to make a dua to say, Ya Allah, soften the hearts of the very people who are harming us, and use them to serve the deen even more than they ever harmed the deen. Khalid ibn al-Walid, what did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say about him? Wallahi ma mithlu khalidin yajahalul islam. I swear by Allah, 
A person as intelligent as Khalid can never be oblivious of Islam. He can never be ignorant of the fact that Islam is the truth. Subhanallah. There are verses in the Quran concerning salah whilst on the battlefield or in the battlefield. And the fact that salah changes. Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu himself says that there was a time when I told the army, the non-Muslim army that I had belonged to, that wait for these people to read salah. As they read salah, we shall swipe at them. And Jibreel alayhi salam came down with verses changing the entire method of salah in war. And I was shocked and I told myself, This person is prohibited from being harmed. Meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is as though they read what was in Khalid's mind to say, hang on, when they are all in sajda, we can swipe at them. But the method of sujood was changed. Allah says, make two lines. One will go in whilst the other holds their swords and wait. And when they come up and when they complete, the others will go down whilst they wait. Amazing. That was the law. It changed automatically. So these are the laws. Let's not be shy of the Quran. Learn it and understand it. If someone comes to you, and this has happened to myself as well, with people who open the Qur'an, especially some of the non-Muslims, they open the Qur'an to a particular verse, and they say, look here, the Qur'an teaches violence. It says, kill those around you. Don't just say, oh, I don't know, and apologize for a verse in the Qur'an. No! That is just a verse, look at the context in which that verse was revealed. Why was it revealed? Who is it revealed for? What does it mean? It means... When those have come forth to attack you, they are now facing their guns to you, shooting and firing. You are telling me you don't have the right to defend yourself. And anyone who defends themselves is now regarded as a terrorist. Does it make sense? It doesn't. So, there is nothing wrong to say fire. And if that word fire, in inverted commas, has been recorded in history as being a statement that was, or a command that was issued to an army of Muslims, that does not make them terrorists. And that does not mean I have the right to get up and fire every single non-Muslim I see on the streets around me. No, that too is a misunderstanding. Our duty towards the non-Muslims is to try and promote the goodness we are in and to try and enlarge the circle of Muslims and to bring forth more people and attract them to Islam through our good character and conduct and our ways and our straightforwardness in business. For your information, in these verses, Allah also speaks of diplomatic ties. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of when to sever them. And I'm using the word diplomatic ties because it is modern terminology. But in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah does not stop you and He does not prohibit you from having ties of goodness and justice with those who have not fought you and they have not driven you out of your homes. So, those who have not fought us directly and those who have not driven us out of our homes and those who are not killing us on a daily basis, there is no harm in having a good relation with them. This is what Allah is saying. In fact, it is a requirement to present Islam to them. And how are we going to do that? Through the best means. And through good dealing, straightforwardness, and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that He does not prohibit you from those type of people. But, as for those 
who are fighting you, who have driven you out of your homes, who are killing you on a daily basis, Allah says, you cannot silently be good to them in the sly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. And this verse opens a large chapter of espionage, spying, and the hypocrites. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam regarding the hypocrites who used to sell the secrets of the Muslims to the others, pretending as though they were Muslims. It happened at that time. Do we think it is not happening today? May Allah save us. May Allah safeguard us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ Do not read Salatul Janazah on any one of those. And Allah gave Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a list of names. Today we don't have the list of names. And do not stand at their graves in order to make dua. Don't, because they are hypocrites and they've disbelieved in Allah by selling the secrets of the Muslimin to the enemy. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really and truly make us from the champions of deen. Each one of us should know that Islam is the furthest from terrorism. Islam promotes peace, peace and only peace. And Islam will remain and it will remain the fastest growing religion until every single person on the globe inshallah will utter the shahada by the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us strong. And remember, if we are ignorant and we are not educated, the solution is not to be apologetic and to start saying, yes, the Quran has this and that in it. No, educate yourselves. Let me also educate myself further. There is always room for improvement. And we need to equip ourselves, be proud Muslims who can smile and say, yes, that is the Quran. It is the revelation from my Creator and yours. I'm not going to be shy of a single verse because not one verse promotes any form of terrorism, even from a distance. And I'd like to end with the last verse, which some have interpreted as terrorism itself. Where Allah says, وَأَعِدُّوا لَهُمْ مَا اسْتَطَعْتُمْ مِنْ قُوَّةِ Prepare against the enemies of Islam. And this was obviously referring at the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to the people of Quraysh. Prepare against them a powerful army, a powerful military machine. Why? The reason is mentioned. So that they know that they will not just tamper with you. Not so that you can use that machine against them in order to kill and to spread mischief on earth. Nay, Islam does not permit that. But when Islam will have a powerful machine, a force to be reckoned with, nobody will tamper with Islam. That is what Allah teaches us. And there is nothing wrong for any army on the globe to develop its ministry of defense or any country to develop its ministry of defense or any army to develop its arsenal. There is nothing wrong with that. It is regarded as a point of merit. No matter what nation it is, they will display their army at some point or another. Why then, when a Muslim country does this, it is looked at as a threat to the globe. Yet, the Muslims have never used any weapons of mass destruction in history. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really unite the Muslim ummah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those 
really and truly, who are solid Muslims and who can follow the method of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and spread this beautiful, peace-loving religion that teaches us to be at peace with the animals and other creatures over and above those who are not yet Muslims. May Allah make them Muslims, inshaAllah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us strong. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdihi, kanashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayhi.